everybody, our friends at Home Title Lock sent us another example of how devastating home title fraud is, and it really is scary. And this is why every listener needs Home Title Lock. So I want to tell you about Bill and Betty from Portland. Online thieves in the U.S. and abroad found the couple's home title exposed on a website. They forged documents so it looked like they were the new owners. They borrowed thousands of dollars against the property. Bill and Betty didn't know about the late payment notices pouring in. They had no idea where they were coming from. But it got worse. A foreign bank foreclosed and had them evicted from their own home. And then they had to spend a fortune trying to get their home back. Bill and Betty did not have home title lock. Look here, for pennies a day, home title lock puts a barrier around your home title and mortgage. And here's what I advise listeners to do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your home to see if your title has already been tampered with. And if you register now, you'll receive a free title scan and a report. That's a $100 value for free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. Go there now. Folks, I want y'all to know it is already getting crazy. Party time, mom. It's party time, mom. Uh, here at Studio 22. Welcome back to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. We're hanging out here in Studio 22. Of course, we have Puppet Master Mark and Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians, at the helm flying this starship into the cyber webs. If you're watching us on Facebook, remember, go to YouTube, go to the Chad Prather channel, subscribe, get your notifications and watch it there. Uh, Just because we don't get the credit if you watch it on Facebook, although I know you're there and it's easy and it's simple, but go to YouTube so we can count this thing. Remember, we're all about the sponsors. We're all about getting the numbers because we're capitalists and we like money. So please help us out. Go where podcasts are offered and subscribe there and download or stream them. We don't care. Just listen. Rate, review. You can get them anywhere podcasts are offered. It's that easy. I don't care if you're an Android user, Apple user, whatever. Just go get the thing. Listen to it. Enjoy it. Give us a five-star rating. We don't do one-star ratings here. We only do five-star ratings. Don't leave us a four, three, two, or one, only five, and tell me how amazing I am. Thank you very much. You're welcome, America. Okay. Let's get into the show because Party Foul Steve is sitting over there, one-upping everybody, (laughs) telling his stories. We talked about this on a previous episode. You're a story topper. Like yeah. if somebody tells a story, you got to one, got one up. that'll beat it. You somewhere got one. in the somewhere back there. I usually do, not always. Yeah. Steve <laughs> is a Marine. Steve was forced to join the Marines, or else he had to go to prison. That's <laughs> almost, true. Almost, uh, <laughs> almost. I had a choice. I yeah. just chose the Marine Corps. I told that story so, at the casino last week, where we had a show in Louisiana, and I was telling telling a guy who was a Marine there at the table. And uh, he said, "Oh, that's an that's an easy choice, <laughs> easy choice." And the other guy that the other guy on the other side of the table said, "I might have taken prison <laughs> over being over being a marine." It wouldn't have been prison; it'd yeah. be county jail. But yeah, know. hot news, Natalie. How many marines have you had in your life? Uh, w- in what capacity? Oh, just you know, <laughs> I'm, her, I'm her only one in her life. Well, that answers a lot My of questions. My brother-in-law is a, was a marine. Yeah, that don't count. Was is always is always, is, always. Is. Right. now. See, your husband was a soldier that was a black hawk, <laughs> black hawk pilot. Yes, but not anymore. No. Didn't you tell me that y'all found a black hawk on like Craigslist for a million dollars? He did for a million dollars. Who's said, selling black hawks? You didn't buy it. We didn't have a million dollars to buy it, but I don't know. You think you can still fly one? He says he might need to, you know, brush brush up, up, but I bet it's probably like riding a bike. It's probably not. It's more like flying a bowling ball. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not. Sitting in the hot seat, my buddy Jason Buttrell, chief 
Researching for Blaze TV, Blaze Media, Mercury. I don't even know what we're called anymore. What uh, are we? What is your job title? Uh, good God. It's changed so much. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the, at first, it was chief researcher. Then yeah. I went into head writer for Glenn. And then it was like the guy that always runs around all over the world and gets in trouble. And they mm-hmm. have to cover up for it. Yeah. Um, uh, so it, it's gone through several iterations. Yeah. But, but now we're doing, we're doing most of the writing for the radio and TV show. But like the research is insane. Like, you can imagine from Glenn. Oh, I like, can only imagine. If, if the FBI is watching our computers, I am going to jail straight up. Because, <laughs> like, seriously, the, the amount of things. Like, you have no idea what runs through my computer. Terrorist yeah. videos. Yeah. Um, research. Oh, good good Lord. How like, many I, deployments did you have as a Marine? I just had one. You had one. You were first in Iraq? One. No, I was in Afghanistan. Like, Afghanistan. That was my first deployment was first deployment ever. We were uh, on shore leave. I was just telling these guys just a while ago. But we were on shore leave in Australia September 10th. Okay. And then it, I, it's like I think they're one day ahead or whatever. So we were like sitting there, sitting in a bar because we were trying to cool down from having like a hard last few hours of drinking, just chilling out. We had a couple hours to get back to the ships. And uh, we saw the towers go down mm. on, a, on a TV. I thought it was like a bad movie. Yeah. But so we didn't pay attention. 30 minutes later, Shore Patrol went and gathered us all up, took us out on the boats. We were in Pakistan getting ready to invade Afghanistan like a month later. It was wow. nuts. Yeah, and, and I, the reason I even bring that up is because you have seen some things – and so the stuff that comes through your computer, I can only... You're a hardened man, is what I'm saying. It's not and always I, a good thing. I didn't say hard man. I hardened. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was telling them before we came on here, before you came in the studio, about the time you got in trouble. Uh, trouble for... Uh, as you were you were over as a researcher... Man, yeah. ...in Iraq and took a, took a couple of shots at ISIS and then said, what did you do, tweet about it? So that's what you don't do. That's, that's what I figured out. Like, you okay don't, to shoot at ISIS, just don't tell the world you did it. If you're going to do something stupid, don't tweet. That, and that, but that's, that's like, that should be plastered over every teenager's wall, I yeah. believe. And you could use the news story. Like, if you Google my name, Google Jason Butchel, the first, like, five articles that pops up is that. Yeah. Nothing else I've done. And that's also, like, another lesson for kids. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter what else you've done in your life. You know, whatever you've completed. Like, the, your bad stains are what the... Top, you know, top list every time you pull it up. Is Plus, that where it says that, six shots in Iraq or something? Yeah. Whenever that is exactly what came up when I googled yeah. you. I knew it. Yeah. Did you You're hit famous? Anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, I shot I, into the sky. I shot over him. <laughs> I've got a few lawyer notes. I was with the follow. Let me see if I pull this out. This disclaimer just in for Jason Butchel. <laughs> no, it's like that, that's that's interesting because like what what I've always wanted to do when I came out was like you know like in Full Metal Jacket you know like being the Joker character. You know, I always said that was really cool. I didn't do that at Intel. But um, I thought that would be cool when I got out was do some, like, like war-type reporting. And uh, especially in that area, you know, journalists are getting their heads lopped off right and left. There's, like, a void of information there. So I was like, oh, let's go over there. And we had the resources. We were going. I went went twice for the Blaze over a span of a couple years. And uh, that, Kate, at that point, look, it's hard not to get – uh, sentimental for the people that are there. Sure, like we were hanging out with a group of Kurds and a group of Christians that had their half their families, half the populations of these villages were just taken off. They were slaves. They didn't know where they were, mm-hmm. and like people would come up to us and they're like, literally in tears, crying, saying, "Could you please, you know, t- go talk to the U.S. ambassador over there in Baghdad or Erbil? Like, please tell them my name is this. Like, we haven't seen them in several, you know, months. This stuff weighs on you. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, if you're a Marine and you can attest to this, like it's. Uh, Try putting a Marine that's used to shooting a 50 cal machine gun or whatever and all of a sudden giving him a camera and a notepad and saying, here, now instantly change with all of this, you know, emotional crap that's yeah. going on. And I didn't deal with that well at all. Yeah. Like, it's totally my mistake. Uh, 
if you get a chance to shoot at ISIS, you're probably going to do it. Every single person is going to do it. Yeah. Um, and I did it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's not exactly the best thing for journalists to do. Right. I, although I was not officially classified as a journalist, a journalist at the time. That's right. You're a I researcher. Was there for researcher. Yeah. Or, yeah, for research. But uh, I don't know. It's like it was. It's a good lesson. Uh, the Blazers were really cool about it. They sent me in multiple different places afterwards, and yeah. I've definitely learned from that. But didn't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, you <laughs> don't. Know. I mean, I would. I yeah. probably. That's just kind of the <laughs> thing I would do. I'd be like, you know, hey, bucket list. You know, shot at ISIS. There you go. That's kind of how I saw it, you know, at the moment. You know what I mean? You can't not do this. I mean, come on. It's like if there's a million dollars on the ground, you're not going to pick it up. Right. But anyway, but beyond that, it's a lot of people. What hit what got hit me? The Man, that was insane. After the the next 12 hours, I was getting hit up like on DM, LinkedIn, all this stuff from like Wall Street Journal and, you know, like New York Times, The Post. Everyone's trying to like get a comment out of me. And I didn't even notice the gravity of you know the situation at the time and i'm like dude yeah. and i was staying in this like really rundown hotel in uh in northern iraq and i didn't go anywhere there's like people like like journalists down in the lobby uh looking for me stayed up there kept a low profile but it was it was kind of it was scary for someone that's never been trained in this you know like yeah. media it's just it's already kind of a ridiculous profession <laughs> so much yeah. so now you know what i mean but so you were, I mean, obviously, I guess the journalists were pissed because they were like, "Well, it's already hard enough for us as journalists to come in here." And well, I mean, it doesn't matter if you've shot at them or not. If they if they find you and you're a Western journalist and you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you're probably getting your head cut off. Yeah, though that's that's the difference. You know, like ISIS, they they don't care if you're a journalist. They actively right. target journalists. Yeah. So me doing that there to ISIS didn't put journalists in any any more danger than they already were. Yeah. Um. But I can see like, but I guess the precedent. Like this is when I took a step back and really tried to think through it intellectually. I was like, if there's a standard of journal people going and they're calling them journalists, even though I wouldn't, but they're going over there and they think they're journalists. If, let's say I go to cover the war with between Ukraine and Russia. But they see that, but they've already seen, you know, reports of Western journalists engaging in combat in Iraq. Then maybe it's open season. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so the perception it sets a bad precedent going forward. Yeah, and I acknowledge that, you know, and I address that. Still fun though. It's still fun. Did you get, so, <laughs> did you get a a big slap on the wrist, or was there? Did you have to, you know, do some hard prison time? Uh, he, over there, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I tell you what, I was actually nervous about there. I didn't know how they were going to react. The Kurds are cool. I was like there with the Kurdish army and they're cool. They didn't care. They were like, whatever, more power to you. They actually, if you, if you would stay there for a tour of six months, they'd probably just let you stay there and join their, their military. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're crazy cool, crazy good people too. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, like, oh, I, I, I come from West Texas, you know, like, uh, you know, like country type people, you yeah. know, like I grew up on a ranch basically. Um, those types of people are the same types of people that you meet all over the world in places like, you know, you know, the outskirts of Iraq, you know what I mean? Just like the nomadic people or whatever, like they're all the same. Hospitality is the same, you know, family, you know, uh, real grounded in family and friendship. They're all the same, but I, I fell in love with those people, but I was actually worried when I left that they were, I was going to get detained at the airport. I had to land in Germany. And we know the Germans are. I was like, dude, I, it's possible that someone told them to pick me up there. I was crazy nervous. I bet. I mean, that's I'm nervous even thinking about right. that. I just want to go home. I was like, I mean, I've been in enough. Mommy. I've been in enough third world places and, and enough places around the world where, I, like, I've done. I'm like, I, I hope that my visa got stamped the right mm, way. You yeah. know, I'm nervous about that. Yeah, think about that. Yeah, it's straight so up. Much CIA less taking pot shots. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that no one talked to me at all as far as that's concerned. But no, they didn't. I got a, I got a few uh, a few people reached out to contact me that, that wanted me to cover certain things, uh, just I guess because of the notoriety. And uh, 
I, and, and I'm still trying to figure out who they were. Actually, actually someone approached me from a, a figurehead in Syria in the Syrian government and wanted me to go over there and cover something for them, which obviously I would never do. But <laughs> they're, at, this point, at this point, they're hiring you as a mercenary. Right. <laughs> You're the not even a researcher. you took were very good. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, someone has been with the DOD and knows what they're doing. <laughs> That Shoot. is funny. No, I mean, that's a pretty unique story, you got to admit. Yeah. And there's not anybody out there listening to this or watching this that wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I'd do it. I mean, I mean, sure, why not? Yeah. I mean, let's take a shot across the sand. And- Except for that ISIS guy in the <laughs> cave he's watching now. He's watching. He's going, I don't even know Which being interpreted is, that's where that guy wound up. <laughs> Still trying to figure out how somebody shot the towel off his head from 500 yards. <laughs> <laughs> you see this guy? Butro! Butro! It's it's funny, like they they are kinda they're they're kinda cowboys out there. Yeah. Like it's like I said, I was with the Peshburger, the Kurdish military, but I mean it's it's so funny like when like when we were in the in the military, you know, there's a whole lot of military bearing, military order, a whole lot of rules. That's why most Marines kinda go crazy and yeah. you know, we all go ex- hard opposite <laughs> of what they made us to do. Like everyone grows a beard or long hair. Yeah. Um but uh, over there, there's like there's there's not a whole lot of that. It's like literally anything that goes. Oh yeah, you want to pick up a weapon? You know, join the fight? Sure, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, why not? I, I mean, mean, the kids are. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I mean, it's true. Uh, I mean, you might as well. So I, yeah, I love it. You know, he, <laughs> my buddy Jeff Kyle, you know, Chris Kyle's brother. I, yeah. He told me years ago, and I love the way he put it. He said, "I asked him. I said, I said, you know." Did you know what all Chris was involved with? He said, I didn't really know what all Chris was doing. He said, because he's Navy, I'm Marines, and we were in different places, different deployments. He said, but I'd get on a, you know, I'd get on a transport somewhere, and I'd just hear about this dude out there laying waste, you know, and that was his phrase, just out there laying waste. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much the art of war. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how you do it. I mean, yeah. these people are in a fight for their lives. I mean, you talk about these villagers. They've had family members kidnapped and taken away and mm-hmm. assassinated and killed and executed. And it's, it's you know, yeah, they want – they anybody that's still got a trigger finger pulling one. So. And that's what our military is for is to go and lay waste. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry if that sounds bad, but, I mean, that's what they're for. And that's what's kind of ridiculous <laughs> on uh, – do you know there was a – there's always – there's been all these cases lately that I've been reading about about yeah. people being convicted of war crimes and all yeah. that stuff. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. About that SEAL. Uh, what's, mm-hmm. What was his name? I, I, I can see his face and I can't think of his name. Look it up, Steve. The, Look it up, Steve. It was that's, a, that's a deal that's going on right now. And I – Eddie – uh, Gallagher. Uh, Gallagher. Yeah, Eddie Gallagher. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't. I read that. So I read that report and I was just, I felt myself getting more and more enraged as I'm yeah. reading about it. I don't know if he's guilty or not, but you don't treat somebody like that. No. They stuck him in a ward with the sex offenders because they didn't have anywhere else to put him. And they just, you know, denied him. Uh, it was very limited uh, availability to his, his, his counsel, his lawyers, um, limited food, water. I mean, are you kidding me? We don't treat yeah. regular convicts that have been convicted of a crime yeah. like this. Yeah, that's a ridiculous deal. And, I, and you know, there's been a huge uh, – I know <clears throat> a lot of the folks that we're connected with, have, there's been big, you know, campaigns with the Free Eddie and, and on all those kind of things. And I agree yeah. with it. I mean, you know, let the guy stand trial if he did a war crime, whatever. Right. But, I mean, what it sounds like to me, he did what he was trained to do. Yeah, well, that's what I was, that, yeah, that's what I was getting to is like the vast majority of those are overturned. Yeah. And it's you, you, they, they think that we're in a police-type role now, you know, to where you have mm-hmm. to operate. No, they're, they're war fighters. They're warriors. You're, yeah. you're put in your head for so long, and this is a statement we use, kill them all, let God sort them out. Mm-hmm. And that was – that's put yeah. in your head. 
Well, we had, you know, I, I always go back and I, I love comparing this because it's such a, it's an oversimplified comparison. But you look at these warriors and they're trained to do what they're doing and they're programmed to do what they do. And you take, uh, we had Mike Ritlin, who's a Navy SEAL, and he trained SEAL dogs and, and bomb sniffing dogs. And now he's got this huge kennel over in Cooper, Texas, where he, they, basically they bring these dogs back and they retire them from military service. And they he has to go back in and teach them just how to spend the rest of their life just being dogs mm. because they've been trained to be soldiers yeah. you know and, and if you think about the simplicity of a dog's mind versus a human mind and how you ask them to okay now let's change that it's no wonder guys do what they do it's what they're trained to do and it's no wonder guys and, and girls too come back with you know pts and all these different things and because their brain's been you've been trained to kill yeah ptsd is, is a weird animal like it is. I, I i i know it affects other people like di- differently yeah. i've got i've had friends that have literally said they've been driving a car and uh they'll blackout and they'll end up at the you know a walmart parking lot somewhere yeah. like an hour later and have no you know no idea how they got there yeah i, I i've never personally experienced anything like that but it's the weirdest things like minor forms of ptsd like you'll hear like it, it, it's very sensory like you'll smell something that smells like something you smelled out in the battlefield yeah and you'll your heart rate will, will pick up and you'll get that like pre-combat you know like yeah. high or nervousness or whatever mm-hmm. little things like that uh, to this day a a, a helicopter flying overhead mm-hmm. will make me feel weird yeah um i'll tell but, you something interesting uh two things I, I had a friend of mine i was in moscow back in 1994 and we were staying at the flat of a friend of mine who had been in vietnam and he was sitting there telling us a story one night just just having a conversation and on the table next to him there's one of those two liter bottles of, of soda and the cap was on it but it was kind of you know how you kind of bend the thing in and you put the cap on there well that that plastic popped out and made a sound you know and it, i'm telling you I thought we were gonna have to restrain the guy. Why the hell right in Moscow? Pow! And we just—he was just living there. He was—he was working in Moscow. So we went over and visited for like two weeks and Dang. spent time and did some work over there with him. And so, uh, actually, the funny story about the Moscow trip is one of the big things we were doing is we were teaching marriage enrichment seminars post-communist in here, right? We were three teaching, years after. Yeah, we were teaching them how to like have a family and how to function, you know, as a family in a free, free quote unquote society. Uh, we had to teach it every day in a porn theater. Uh, so we had from like 10 till 4, and then they had to go back to doing business. <laughs> so were you we were there, teaching, with, uh, we were were you there with Bernie Sanders? <laughs> we were having underwear parties with Bernie and, and teaching marriage enrichment while he was on his honeymoon. But no, I'll never forget that two-liter bottle popped. And, and, and I mean, it, he thought he was being shot at. He was right back in, in Saigon, man. It was it was a crazy, crazy deal. But Chad Robichaud talked about that. He said, you know, you see a red, red, you know, little red Datsun pull up next to you, and you're like, you know, last time I saw one of these, it blew up and killed three people that, yeah. I, that were my friends. And so it, it triggers in a weird, weird way. I got a friend of mine who was a who was a pastor in Henniger, Alabama, which is the middle of nowhere. And he was telling me a story. He was in Augusta, Georgia, and this guy and this girl come out, jump in his car, stick a gun in his ribs, and, and made him drive him to North Carolina. I won't get into the details of why and what, but basically this guy was a bodyguard for this girl and she was the mistress of some big senator at the time. Wow. And so uh, he got PTSD from that, like, oh, for a, a period of, like, he was seeing things, like, there were, he was flying home on a, on the planes. He had a private jet, so somebody came and picked him up on his jet. He could see a baby out on the wing of the plane, and then there was a bobcat in his room, and he woke up the next day. And, and So, I mean, you're right. It's a weird, you know, it's a weird little ghost demon that gets in your head. It's a crazy, crazy thing. We talk about it a lot because, and I always push people to Chad Robichaud's organization with Mighty Oaks Foundation, a uh, great organization. And, and there's various others, 22 Kill and all those. So, yeah, 
You're over there trying to kill people. We're trying to save people. Jesus. <laughs> you mentioned bodyguard. You mentioned bodyguard in Russia. I was actually I was a uh, that that was my job right after I got out of the mil, uh, right. Marine, uh, Marine Corps. I had a, I had a baby on the way, brand new baby, and mm-hmm. there was like it's hard to get out. You know this, like when you get out of the military, and that's something that sucks about like how veterans are handled. Mm-hmm. Like they always talk about stupid stuff when, it, as far as I'm concerned, with veterans. Like if you really want to help them, help them get a damn job. Yeah, you right. know what I mean? Seriously. Right. Like or or have some kind of outright like have some. There's tons of companies like when you out process out of a company, like one of their jobs, the HR department, is to help them move help on, the next, yeah. you know, get the next job. Like they don't have anything like that. Yeah, it's almost the opposite. I don't know what you experienced, but it's like it's almost the opposite. Like they kind of scare you into re upping and going another enlistment. They basically say, hey, yeah, you got to get a job now. It's difficult. You might as well re enlist. It's a great point. But they don't help. It's absolutely ridiculous they do. I, when I was in the corporate world, I worked for a Fortune 300 company, and I, they never laid me off. I, I finally resigned from them. But, but I had friends who did, and that was one of the things. They not only gave them a great severance, but they gave them severance that was going to cover that period of time while they looked. But they actively helped them find the next job that was comparable to what they had just lost. Yeah. See, and here you got the American military. you got the United States government. I mean, why in the world aren't they employing resources to make sure those kind of things happen? Because I've always said that a man finds his worth in two things, how they relate to their woman and how they relate to their work. And you take those two things mm. and mess them up, and a guy gets really, really screwed up. And when yeah. you're programmed where, where that's your work— War or military, that's your work. And all of a sudden now, boom, you're out of that. You're out of that community. You're out of that camaraderie and all of those things. And you're out there flying solo. It's tough. Yeah. There's- and I'm just like, I'm coming from, I'm not even, I'm not a soldier. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a veteran, but I've, I've seen so much of it. Yeah. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no program at all. There, there really isn't. If you didn't have vacation days saved up. So let's say you had like 30 days vacation set up. They would let you like, you know, basically sign your paperwork 30 yeah. days early. They just have to wait. The, you know, they basically make you take vacation early yeah. and just get out. If you didn't have those days set up, you wouldn't have any kind of time to look for a job. So let's say you had no vacation day set up. Your end of active service date came up. Then you're done. You're out on your own. You're completely on your own. Yeah. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So if you were used to, like, buying groceries at the base exchange there, now you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's completely cut off. But yeah. I've always been – I've just been I, – I think there was – I think Google just did something recently where you can, like, put in your – your your job code that you had in the uh, in the military, and they help they show you some of the companies that are hiring veterans. No kidding. But yeah, they do. But I, I'm curious, like how sincere those companies are. If it's just right. a big PR thing. Yeah. But that's that is a big problem with the. Uh, you talk about 22 kill. I mean, that that's a problem. I think with a lot of veterans that get out and committing suicide, mm-hmm. you feel worthless. Yeah, and you especially go- depending on their job in the military. If they had a skill or you know a trade or something like that, that's one thing. You can get out on the civilian world and pretty much go to work yeah but if you're infantry mm-hmm. you're coming out of infantry where is that in the where is that in the civilian world no equivalent none unless you want to be like a cop or whatever but yeah. i mean but in some time some uh, police departments do and they hire a lot of veterans but some are so competitive i was in los angeles because i got married out in california at the time and they weren't hiring they were yeah. hiring. it was ridiculous i was a, i was a i was a combat vet veteran marine corps um was gonna i tried to apply it to the lapd but I was so far down on their affirmative action list. Um, my brother-in-law um, got a job within three months and offered to go. Uh, he was a minority, and he was a butcher at a at a uh, at a meat butcher 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 store. Yeah, that's what that's called. He did the butchering thing. He did the butchering thing. Butcher shop. <laughs> that, that's, that was oh, oh and he he had gang tattoos. He was uh, he was in a gang. Wow! Can you believe that? Is your brother-in-law? But, but but he ran around as an LAPD officer, but a veteran, just because they didn't, they weren't on that affirmative action, you know, high list. 
yeah. didn't get the job. Wow. Absolutely insane. Wow. But you were doing personal protection stuff. I mean, you were doing security. So did you, you did that for Glenn? Yeah. For a while, Glenn Beck? Yeah. I always try to get back. I was trying to get back out here in Texas. I was stuck behind the Iron, Iron Curtain there in California, yeah. Stan. And yeah. uh, that was just absolutely insane. I was just trying to get out the entire time. But uh, I heard that there was a slot open on Glenn's Detail back here, like literally two hours from where I grew up out here in right. in Texas. I was like, shoot, yeah. So I jumped on that pretty quick. That was a good time. That was a really good time. You were talking, so you were talking about Russia. I went to Russia twice. Had some insane stories from there. We had a their security service like the I hate KGB. that place, man. I mean, I've been there enough. I hate that place. <laughs> I right when you <laughs> left, did you feel like a weight come off of you? Yes, it was so oppressive. I've always described it that way. That exactly the same. Yeah, we had a, we had an FSB team following us around. The client that I was with at the time It wasn't Glenn. It was a different one. But we had an FSB team following us around, taking pictures. They didn't care. Mm. We were screwing with them and, like, kind of sending out, like, distractions and trying to lose them. They you'd be like seeing my bare ass pressed against the glass yeah. in my hotel window. That's what you'd see of me. Take a picture of this. Look at this little cherry picker right here. <laughs> it, make, it, it, it makes you, uh, it makes you, you know— you know, feel good about where you live, you know, proud. All I wanted live. was Waffle House. Like, I'm over there, like, like every time I'm over there, I'm like, hi, I just want Waffle House. We were in Russia, man, <laughs> and, and it was the most oppressive, and it was kind of the white nights, you know, so there was only, like, two hours in the night of dim. It never really got dark. Yeah. And I'm sleeping on this air mattress. When I say air mattress, I mean, like, the kind you float on in the pool. Like, I'm, for, like, 15 nights, I'm, I'm over here in Moscow doing this, and I'm not in, like, the, the part of Moscow that people go see because they're like, oh, touristy. No, 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 no. We spent one day walking the Kremlin and at St. Basil's and the Goom Department store and all that stuff. And, yeah. But I mean, still, what? I mean, what? What? You know, but the rest of the time, we're out in villages and stuff and we're in porn theaters and, and stuff like this, you know, trying to help people and, uh, you know, getting stopped by the, the, the police to assault with your soldiers. And, and, you know, you feel like the KGB's looking over your shoulder the whole time. And, and I'm the whole time, I'm like, I just want to go home. It's so oppressive here. Got on the airplane. That was the first time I, I got a USA Today for the first time in two weeks. Opened up. There's this little editorial blurb about Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman were found murdered. That's in, when that was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's how I first found out that OJ killed his wife. That's insane. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. No, he killed her. No, he, he killed her. <laughs> I read How I Would Have Done It. Or what was the name of that book? How I Would what, Didn't you write the book about? Yes. What's it called? Uh, how I Would Have Done It. Something yeah, something like, like that. that. Anyway, that, that's funny. You, you said that you just wanted to find a Waffle House. I saw that the most popular restaurant that was there when I went, which was later than you, but it was it was uh, it was McDonald's, mm -hmm. which is absolutely insane. I, I, I ate there five times it, when you were in Russia. When I was in Russia, this, it was there, and I thought that that was oh, I was like oh, that's close to my hotel. I, mean, I was kind of in a nice area, so I just wanted to get something cheap. So yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go down to McDonald's. It's gonna be cheap. It yeah. was it was crazy expensive. It was. Because it was because because not even they had just opened it right there, and I, I say five times, I ate there a couple of times, and I was amazed that I've always been amazed since then how you could go anywhere in the world eat McDonald's and it tastes exactly the same as anywhere else in the uh, world. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? Uh, like, if I gave you the ingredients to make a hamburger and I gave myself the same ingredients, I guarantee you our hamburgers would probably taste a little bit different. It's yeah. all made in one place and they just ship it. <laughs> they ship them to their already. But the the service wasn't the same though. No. Because no. it was like it was that typical like some yeah. you know lady named Olga you know yeah. just kind of sliding to it. And did you get ice in your drink? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I've never there? been. I don't. I've never. I don't care where I am. I don't get ice. Oh, I just never have. I've, well, whiskey will kill it <laughs> if you if you're willing to get some whiskey. But you know, we were in um, Spain last year, and you know, they in most European McDonald's they serve beer. 
Yeah. You know, which I don't, I'm not a big beer drinker, but still I thought that was kind of cool. Like, We're getting screwed. What's up, America? <laughs> Time to step up your game. <laughs> but no, I've been, I spent, I spent my twenties and thirties. I spent a lot of time in, in West Africa. Well, all over Africa, really. And, and I'd still rather be there. I'd rather be in Nigeria than Moscow, Russia. I mean, just really, yeah. I was in Liberia at least a couple then. years ago. At least ever, then. Ever, now, not so much. Did you ever go to Liberia? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was the biggest thing, the biggest shock to me in places like Liberia was uh, all the Chinese investment. Right. Like, literally, it was everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, like, there was hardly, like, Liberia was, like, founded by, I think it was American slaves that yeah. went over there. So for a while, there was, like, a big connection. And, but they're, they're losing that, like, hardcore. Like, yeah. all the businesses that I saw, like, the major ones were all Chinese. They were building all the roads, everything. I mean, they are, Chinese are all over West Africa. They really are. It's insane. Yeah, they're buying it up. I mean, they've, they've done it in, in numerous places. Venezuela. I mean, it, you know, go to South America. I mean, you, Venezuela the same way. So many Chinese interests down there. Yeah. I'm doing it here, too. What's that? I think they're doing it here, too. Japan and China, no question. Yep. Oh, well. It feels like that, especially, I think, you know, people our age can remember, like, the Japanese. Like, before, now it's the China. They're saying the Chinese are going to take over everything. Like, when we were younger, it was the, the Japanese. They're yeah. like, oh, my gosh. Like, every movie had the Japanese, you know, big businessmen. Yeah. They were like, they're going to be the next superpower. I'm like, this is this China stuff. I'm like, we've been here before. <laughs> Did you not live the 80s? I mean, come on. We've seen this before. And, yeah, they were bu- buying everything up because they were overpaying for everything. Yeah. I remember there was a Japanese businessman that bought up, like, what was it, Rockefeller Center? And ever to, for everyone, like, that was, had nostalgia over there, like, oh, this is the end. This is the end of America. That's it. And the guy that, so, that sold it off, I don't know if it was one of the Rockefellers or not, but they were like, of course we sold it. I think the journalist was like, how could you sell this, you know, to, uh, to someone from Japan? He's like, what do you mean? He offered me, like, five times what it was worth. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's the most American statement I've ever heard. Exactly. <laughs> Good Ve- like Vegas. I can't remember. And someone was telling me years ago, they said, basically, Japan owns Vegas now. I, I, don't, re- I don't remember. Yes. I think it was Japan, not China. They basically said, yeah, Japan pretty much owns all of Las Vegas. I mean, everything in there has got the undercurrent. Today? Yeah. Who do y'all think owns all these tollways? Who finances those tollways being built? Look into that. Really? Are you saying Japan or are you saying China? I'm just – We're totally countries. fake news on this episode. I know, right? (laughs) Who knows? You know what? This is for y'all to Google to figure it out. Y'all got you know, German company. Maybe we're telling real stuff. Maybe May- we're not. We don't know. We're speculating. This is stuff that a cab driver told me, so, and, and he was from there. So I assume he's an expert on the subject matter. I don't. I, yeah. I, 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 Ali, whoever is financing that, they, I I hate that person. I, I do absolutely too. hate that person. Toll toll roads. I agree. Dude, I agree. Come on. I mean, like, you, it costs you nine bucks to miss Austin, which is the most valuable Worth nine it. bucks I can spend. Oh, that's at the 85? Yeah, you go 85 miles an hour. Because Austinites don't want to use it because, you know, it's just not earthy. So they don't ever go on it. So when you're trying to go miss I-35, the upper and lower decks, you just take that and you're – it's worth the 40-minute drive or 30-minute drive. You got that right. I promise you, I don't care when you pull up the traffic in Austin, Texas. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's 2 in the morning. It's Always. backed up on 35. And it's 80 miles an hour Yeah, on that tollway. 85. Or 85. Let her rest, okay. Chip. That's like right after Interspace Caverns or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? George, yeah. Georgetown. You get to Georgetown. You get to yeah. Georgetown. Boom. Comes to bring and you right out on Buda. it kicks you about at like Cabela's or whatever. Yeah. Buda. That's exactly wow. right. $8.75 <laughs> worth every penny. 85 miles an hour and I'll do 90. <laughs> you guys can see the, yeah, just flying by. <laughs>
people pulled over on the side of the road, need, thumb out, need help with their car. I don't care if it's a little old lady. She, her little blue hair is going to be blowing as I pass by. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't slowing down for nothing, man. I'll take the tennis ball off her walker. I don't care. <laughs> Boom, I'm gone. I ain't slowing down for nothing. I don't want the Austin to get on me, a bunch of freaky, hippie, liberal, crazy nuts. But it's still Texas. I saw somebody in a Prius roll down their window and throw out a bag of trash. So, <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Screw the environment. F you, Earth Day. <laughs> you know what I did for Earth Day? I got one. Of, I got a giant sequoia. So help me God. Got a giant sequoia. It's this tall. These things will live like 3,000. We just had Earth Day, by the way, folks. For those of you listening, I know my audience doesn't care about <laughs> Earth Day. <laughs> it's like my a good friend of mine, he, he, old man. He, um, My mentor, his father-in-law, passed away a number of years ago. They were building this new shopping center down there where we were living uh, in Georgia. And he was like, oh, my God, they're getting rid of all the trees. They're getting rid of all the trees. My mentor, Wade, he looked at him and he said, hey, man, there'll be enough to build a box to put you in. <laughs> True enough. True enough. The earth still stands. Uh, but I took so my uh, neighbors are big time. I mean, they've got Beto signs everywhere and all this stuff. And so uh, they don't know it yet, but I put a giant sequoia in their yard. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, it'll live 3,000 years, man. They love the earth. That they, is they freaking love the awesome. Earth. So, so it came in my America's Crate box this week. It's this tall, giant sequoia, and, and I just put the little root ball right in the thing. And so that is they're, awesome. They're, now they're going to have a giant tree. That's hilarious. <laughs> hey, love the earth, liberal. That, 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 that Beto stuff cracks me up. Yeah. I, I really don't understand the hero worship. I do not. I don't get it either, man. This dude's tweaking. Dude, and if you live in Texas, you know exactly what we're talking about when we say, oh, my God, the signs. Yeah. Like, that's all you saw during, during the last election. They were everywhere. People are cutting it into their lawns. Dude. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, crop circle yeah. type stuff. Of uh, him. Not, and, I mean, well, him. Not even just the sign. It was a crop circle of The dude him. did the face. Oh, face. Yes, like, the face. crop circle yeah. of his face. I'm hot in here, man. Studio 22. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. I'm getting undressed. We're playing strip poker again. Hey, that's the thing. We did it last week. We played strip poker in here. Natalie won. Dad, come it. <laughs> God! Come on, Natalie. Bring the Cowboys cheerleader back. I just always wonder how they, how he, I always wonder how he raises so much money because I feel like he came California. out of nowhere. No. California. So he's crazy. He's always putting his hands out. Well, yes. that's always, fair. Literally, he's always got his hand out. I think most of it is out of state. We just did. We just did mm-hmm. a, like a, a profile on him, and I've never seen someone more like unsure of what he believes himself. Like I, because you, I guess it's it, it's not really, you know, a shocker to this, to know that one of these yeah. like progressive uh, candidates doesn't really have a whole lot of good ideas. Yeah, but he has no ideas. Well, he like, said he wants the people to create his platform. He, for exactly him. right. What he said. <laughs> I was like, wow, that like freaked me out. I was like, he was like, tell me what to do. I'm like, are you serious? But like, you did because I because I like walking past your desk and looking over your shoulder and seeing what kind of creepy crap you're looking at any given time of the day. Careful, looking nightmares. I know. <laughs> and one day I looked and you were doing research on Beto and you were you were like on the website of the the prep school he went to. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. Which was like where like Maryland somewhere or something. Or it was in like Virginia. It, it was in Virginia. It was the, he. So that, that's what's hilarious. He like has this like persona of you know like the punk rock kid. Yeah. But so like he was the punk rock kid. He was like a member of a hacker group, and every his yeah. image was like to be like really cool to millennials. But he went. He transferred out of his high school uh, there in El Paso and went to the most prestigious all male prep school in the entire country. Like the Bush's kids yeah. go there. Like that—that's—that's that's the level it is. Yeah. And if you watch the video, it's—it it couldn't be more white. 
It could not be more white. <laughs> they're all. They're I all mean, in, literally, they're, it's 2019. They're still wearing pop collars. Yeah, right? pop collars, pastel shirts. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh-huh. like those like chubby, like yeah. you know, those chubby shorts. You know, khakis. Oh. They're, they're playing shoes. lacrosse and the boat shoes. Boat shoes. They probably it, it have was, tiki torches. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. And then oh, they're funneling them down to Charlottesville. And then oh. he, and then after that, he went to where was it? Columbia, yeah. where he was a co-captain of the crew team. Yeah. So think about like the Winklevoss twins from yeah. the from mm-hmm. the Social Network. Mm-hmm. That, he was the Winklevoss twins He's from the Social Network. That's who he was. Yeah. You know, you know where I do appreciate Beto because he 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 got me woke because I had no idea <laughs> how close we are to Texas going blue. Oh, yeah. When I saw yeah. the signs, I mean, where I live, I know our county went blue. It's just yep. that if, if if Texans don't realize this, it's time to wake up. It's a it's I think it's Cal, it's, it's mass exodus out of California. It and is. That's the irony of it. You know what I mean? Like they, they screwed up their state and they're like, oh, well, we'll sell our houses because property value just mm-hmm. went insane. And they'll sell their house for a gazillion dollars, come over here and buy the same size property for 200 grand. And they're like, hey, and then they keep voting the way they were voting. What? Yeah. Like, Doesn't what are you doing? Sense. I mean, we've got a D.A. in Dallas saying, I'm not going to prosecute anybody who uh, steals less than $750 for personal items. That is what a D.A. in Dallas is saying. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the deal. That's that's what he's pushing is we're not going to prosecute anybody that for theft under seven, a value of $750. And his so, reasoning was because of the... Well, because you don't want to tie up the courts and what's the point. They're probably just in need. That's the whole thing. They're, they're probably just they're needy need, people. So it's okay. So it's okay because that's that's way we're going to... That's the way we're going to help the poor is through theft. And just let them do... If, as long as you don't steal anything over 750 bucks, you're not going to get prosecuted. That's going to be fine. That's I mean, the implications of that are just asinine and stupid. That is a downward spiral that you don't even want to start unpacking. So if I go into a bank and I say, give me $749. <laughs> well, it depends if you got a gun. I mean, then, then you got armed robbery. That's well, I'm different. Not, I'm just... No, I'm not going to have You got to steal it, Steve. Oh, okay. But then like, ask for gosh. it. That's that weird thing. Like, they're encouraging... Like, they're showing the rule of law doesn't matter anymore. That's you know right. what I mean? Same thing with the border. It's like, what do you expect... Especially Texans. What do you expect Texans to do once they realize that the law, uh, rule of law doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore? It means nothing. There was that – did y'all see that story? Was that earlier this week? There was that uh, that group. I know nothing about them, but they're like yeah. the United Constitutional Patriots. I saw that. Yeah. Did you see the video yeah. that they shot on the border? Like around 1,000 people uh, coming up over the border. Mm-hmm. No one's talking about that. No yeah. one. No media. But you'll get people saying, oh, this is no crisis. This is no big deal. You know what I mean? Oh, it's a crisis. You have Joe Schmoes that are going down there because they feel no one else is doing anything because the rule of law does not matter anymore. So, yeah. like, well, crap, if you're not going to do it, I might as well do it. I stopped. <laughs> I was at a gas station uh, fueling up in Houston area, north of Houston, and this little old guy had to be 80 years old wearing a MAGA hat. And I, I looked around the gas pump, and I said, I like that hat you're wearing. And he's like, thanks. I'm headed down to the border. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, the government ain't doing nothing. I'm going down there and stop these yeah. motherfuckers. <laughs> yes. He said, what? "He said, let's load up." He said, "You know what? I'm, we we do, we all got to go down there." And that's <laughs> hilarious. Eighty years old, and that's what he said. We're, I'm going to go down and take care of these motherfuckers. <laughs> Damn, I love the state. You know what I mean? I know. I that's why I'm it. like, I, you people. I promise you, they might keep voting blue, but that you know, because it used to be well. You used to hear people all the time say, well, if my state keeps going the way it's going, I'm going to Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, don't yes. come over here and don't California or Texas, because I promise you, after a while, you're only going to put up with so much of that crap here. And then at some point in time, it's going to be party time, mom. I mean, it's ready, it's ready to lock and load. 
These people are just – Texans, there's a humble arrogance about Texans. Mm-mm. But let me tell you something. They're, they're just enough unhinged, and there's just enough blood of the Alamo flowing through yeah. their veins. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, look here. We don't care how many of you are coming over the rise. We're going to stand here behind this wall. That's, and, and if we Come on. Bring it on. That's I love that, that how you described the humble arrogance. It's, yeah. it's funny. Like, uh, you know, in the Marine Corps, when I, I saw uh, everyone says, you know, when you travel overseas or when you go somewhere and you're on liberty, send them the country They're like hey where are you guys from and you know everyone's like oh we're from the u.s americans what do they say if yep. we say we're, te- we're texas we're texas yeah. like yeah. you don't say like you notice that and you, you probably do that too like if you travel mm-hmm. on vacation you're yeah. in, from you texas know, cancun like hey where are you from texas yeah you don't say you know, united states That's do you exactly remember right. when bush 9-11 when he got that quick interview and he got persecuted because he said do you have a message for bin laden and he said i think there's an old song that best puts it best wanted dead or alive and he just got annihilated on the media and all i as a texan was thinking what's wrong with that that's exactly right yeah well, I love it when they ask W about, you know, well, you kind of walk with a swagger. He said in Texas, we just call that walking, you know, <laughs> and, and that's and, and swaggertude is what I call it. You know, you just got that swaggertude, but uh, you don't see there's no waffle irons out there that make your breakfast in the shape of Delaware. You know, there's no there's no bikinis out there that have the state of Minnesota flag on. Them. You don't have that, man. You know, we, don't, we, we we stuff armadillos and put them in a shape where we can put our Texas-made wine bottles in the freaking thing. You just don't see that kind of stuff. I mean, when's the last time you ever saw, you know, uh, Oregon underwear? I mean, you just don't it, – it's, it's not there. But the Texas, only by tattoo, God. The only tattoo I have on my body is from the Dallas Cowboys. There's a star right That's there it. on your foot. I mean, it's, it's just Texas. And that, and that yellow rose on your inner thigh. No, I don't have that. <laughs> no, I have been a tribe, <laughs> but you're right, man. I mean, you just after a while, it's like only only so much of this crap we can take. And uh, you know, Beto O'Rourke, come on, the guy's a farce. He's a joke. If you don't see through that, I mean, because you're right, he's even got these college kids, his own people who are supporting him, coming to his makeshift town halls where he jumps up on a table somewhere, lines people up at the mall, and they're saying, "Why'd you take lobbyist money? You said you weren't going to take." You know, they're calling him out on his own BS. So, oh, good gosh. I mean, his entire story. Like, have you yeah. read into the whole uh, uh, eminent domain stuff from down in El Paso? Yeah. I was watching for we were some, something else we were, I was doing for Glenn, but uh, we were looking at the old, like, city council videos where all the, you know, the people that, you know, Mexican Americans were coming up to him and, like, and, and standing up to him and saying, look, you're like, you're sending people down to our houses. And what he would do so he wouldn't have to claim an eminent domain is he'd send the, like, health inspectors down to the businesses and say, yeah. well, we saw, you know, five cockroaches. You know, you've got so and so, you know, certain amount of time before we shut you down. Stuff like that. And it was dirty, dirty stuff. Yeah. Um, and straight calling them out. Like, your father-in-law is the one that's doing to, doing this mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, and cra- crazy dirty. And the reason he said he got into politics was to end corruption. But it looks like he was the most corrupt guy there at the He's time. He's corrupt. He's a furry. I had to look what a fur- I had to look up what a furry was. I didn't know. You know, and they were, everybody kept saying, well, he's a furry. He's a furry. Steve, you know what a furry is? It's like a little rabbit. This furry. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's basically one of these, like, people who they're getting a rock band or whatever, and they wear the, the, the heads, the masks, the... Um, like the animal masks, the big furry things. They had to put a name to that? Furry. That's, I've he's never a heard furry. Of that. I've had people on Twitter talk about him. They're like, he's a fury. And I'm like, no, he's a furry. So I had to look it up. Like, what the hell's a furry? But apparently that's the thing. Candace, you know what a furry was? You didn't know, really? You're 20 or 21? 
23. You're 23. Go back to being 20. I think that comes from <laughs> Stay overseas innocent, baby. Or Stay innocent. I didn't know right. Candace. That sounds like it comes from like Japan or something. <laughs> Gotta be. That's I, craziness. Yeah, that um you know, back to that the border immigration stuff. I uh you're going to see that more and more, I think. You're going to see people just willing to stand up and take the law into their own hands. Well, look at it. You've got you got, you know, I got a friend. He's like, "Look, my grandmother lives 100 100 yards from the border. She's got drug mules running through her front yard." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're coming through. George Strait. Okay, here's one everybody knows, George Strait. So George Strait's a former ranch foreman uh, Cliff Davis became a friend of ours because one of my buddies is a Border Patrol agent. He was down in Laredo, and George's ranch was down there on the border just west of Laredo. And that was one of the things is Cliff had to keep calling Border Patrol out there because they were crossing through George Strait's ranch and leaving a freaking mess. I mean, they were they were squatting and camping out and all that stuff on the on his side of the Rio and then coming on in and coming through the deal. So, I mean, it, nobody's exempt from that, from the little old lady with the drug meals in the front yard to George freaking Strait, who's – Concert the other night brought in twelve million dollars. Where, where is his? <laughs> he uh, could build a wall yeah, west of Laredo. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. You know what? What's stupid is that build your own wall, George. <laughs> <laughs> they need to uh, change the. Uh, they need to change the law to where if you if you if you illegally cross, it's felony. Yeah. Take take away because if, if actually like so the people that are down there like you know detaining people that are coming across they're actually committing a crime by doing that because they're just they're just committing a misdemeanor you can't do a citizen's arrest but if you if you as a citizen see someone committing a felony you can stop them and you can detain them yeah that's your right mm-hmm. if they yeah. would change that that would actually help yeah um, but and then here's what it would go one step further so like Honduras leads the world in homicides I've been to Honduras many many times. Uh, it's a crazy, crazy country. Um, beautiful people, beautiful places, but also crazy. But it also has the most dangerous prison system. So what we do is we catch them coming across the border. It's a felony, and immediately we fly them down to Honduras, and we buy some Honduran prisons, and we incarcerate them there. <laughs> and just put them in there and say, this is what's coming. And then we show public service announcement videos in Spanish all across Mexico that says, Alto, or you will be Cornholio. <laughs> By Eduardo. Hey, amigo. <laughs> you homo. <laughs> Border problem solved. At this point, Andrew Heaton would be uncomfortable. <laughs> Start Ohio. You bring up a good point, though, because a, a, a lot of the ones coming down now are not from Mexico. No, I'm a They're, problem solver. I know. They come from Central America. Honduras, deal. Nicaragua, yeah. Costa, uh, not Costa Rica, whatever other countries over there. But, Ecuador, um, Guatemala. Ecuador. I mean, and that's what I love about it, because when they came the long route, like they didn't come to, you know, they didn't come to McAllen, Texas, which would have been the short route for the caravan. They went all the way to Tijuana trying to get into California because they knew. Easier. It, and so the, I loved it how the citizens of Tijuana were pissed. They were like, look. Yeah. These, these motherfuckers come in here, man. They, yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, we don't want them here, man. No. All right. So, and did you hear anybody calling them racist? Exactly. Nobody called them racist. Uh, the, uh, Mexico has deported over twice as much, many um, yeah. illegals than we have over the past year or two. Yeah. See, but that's the hypocrisy. Is, is Mexico racist? No one's calling the Mexicans racist. Well, that's because Mexican the people government? that are calling us racist are the racist because they don't realize that Mexicans don't want to be known as Hondurans and Hondurans don't want to be known as Guatemalans. <laughs> Guatemalans don't want to be known as Ecuadorians in Central America. They don't want to be known as that. I used to work with guys growing up and, and we, you know, I worked, I did bricklaying and landscaping and all these different things for my, my family's businesses. And I'd work out there side by side with these guys. And, and every now and then somebody new on the job would say, well, tell that Mexican to go. And I said, he's not Mexican. And I said, don't Ooh. say that to him either. 
because you're going to find out real quick he's from Honduras, <laughs> and I promise you they don't like that. Oh, dude, man. My wife, my wife's Mexican. Her family's Mexican. Yeah. And uh, that's fighting words. Yeah. you like, if you mess that up, you just started a exactly. fight. Hardcore. And I'm like, bro, like, that guy will cut you, man. Yeah. <laughs> these, these are street rules, bro. Yeah, yeah. That guy, you can't see it, but in them little short pants, he got a machete. Yeah. And it's coming out. He'll hack you. Yeah. <laughs> Those aren't Mexicans in Florida. Those are Puerto Ricans. Yeah. They'll let but, you know. But, I mean, that's the whole point is they're the racists, the ones that are calling us racists. Because, again, you don't call the Mexicans racists because they're deporting Guatemalans. You got Barbara Streisand who says, well, I'm moving to Canada. No celebrity ever says I'm moving to Mexico. If Trump <laughs> keeps doing this, I'm moving to Mexico. <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to the other America. <laughs> Where all the white people are. Lying sacks of Anyway, <laughs> golly. I told Rosie O'Donnell, I made it public to us, I'll buy you a one, one-way ticket first class anywhere you want to go in the world, one way. Then I regretted it because I knew with Rosie I was going to have to buy two. That's going <laughs> to be so tiring. They say that literally after every Republican president they becomes uh, They becomes do, and they're all still here. Every time. we got tens of thousands of people lined up at the border trying to get in here, and we can't get a single celebrity to leave. That's the, that's the <laughs> of it all, man. It's kind of a fail. I know. <laughs> How did we fail know, so hard? Golly. I mean, we've been trying to get rid of these fools. <laughs> what you researching right now? Um, so we're doing a huge special coming out uh, on May Day, May 1st. So uh, that's it's, that's uh, the Glenn's going to do it live, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's so I'll yeah I'll give this audience kind of a teaser on it, but um so we we were kind of going through some you know how Glenn loves his documents sure. and uh, he loves artifacts and kind of finding stuff that no one's found before. Well, we found uh, a document from a communist in, in Czechoslovakia. So it was right after World War II. Um, the Yalta Agreement basically said the Soviet Union couldn't roll through and just take over all these countries and make them communist. So they had to figure out another way to do it. So they were like, well, how can we change a democratically elected government with a constitution that has a parliament or congress system? How do we change them communist? Mm-hmm. So they detailed a very in-depth plan how to do it. And uh, this document that we found was basically them bragging about it. It was the official communist historian. And he's bragging about it. And he's saying this is how we did it, step by step by step. Mm. So Glenn and I were looking at it, and we were like, holy crap. Like, it is almost to the T exactly what we're seeing today. It explains Me Too. It explains Occupy Wall Street. It explains uh, the New Green Deal, the climate uh, Second lobby. Um, Second Amendment, big mm. time. Um, it explains everything. And it wow. just blew us away. So the special is kind of this big special on socialism. And we're going to show, look, because I, I was, I used to be one of those guys that said, look, we're not, we're insulated. We're protected from people like Bernie Sanders or Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. Um, we have the Constitution. We're fine. You know, it's crazies come, crazies go. But the United States holds true. Well, I'm unsure at this point. Hmm. After seeing how they did it and after seeing the things that are in place now, and now they're like they used to they used to hide and say, oh, yeah. well, I'm a Democrat or I'm a progressive, whatever that was supposed to mean. Now there's come out and saying they're socialists. Yeah. I mean, that's also in the plan. The time when they reveal themselves, you know, yeah. when they feel it's time. It's it's coming. It looks scary, um, but we're going to lay it all out. Yeah. Jason Buttrell, the uh, owner operator of the terrorist game ranch. There's a high fence. If you want to come out and hunt terrorists, he's got a spot. He's got a rifle with a scope. Out to 800 yards, you could take pot shots all day long. Just don't tweet about Twitter it. Twitter is banned. That's right. Do. Well, I mean, that's exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's good, good stuff. Where are they? Where are you at on Twitter? Is it just you got one of those plain just your name at Twitter? Jason Butchell? Yeah. Oh, God, I wish I I wish I'd have done that. What did you do? Just watch Chad. At least you have your name. Like all the it's tough guys. You notice all the toughest guys on Twitter? Yeah. Their names are nowhere near it. They're nowhere their near pictures it. are nowhere near it. Yeah. Get out of here with that. I know. Bunch of trolls. <laughs>
craziness. Anyway, thanks for hanging out, man. We're going to do this again. It's always, it's just an ongoing conversation. We have fun. I heard there was whiskey involved, and I showed up looking split. (laughs) One of these days, we're going to have, I'm going to get heating in here. We're just going to get all our favorites in here, not Jeffy. And we're just going to all pour drinks, and we're going to sit around. And we're just going to see what comes out. There might be a fight or two. <laughs> Good. <maybe. laughs> All right, bring Jeffy in. Yeah. Bring Jeffy in. He's so cuddly, but he, it's like hugging a cactus, man. You're, three days later, you're still pulling out the pricks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Puppet Master Mark, Candice Queen of the Ethiopians, Jason Buttrell, thanks for sitting down in the hot seat. Party foul, Steve. Any parting words? No, Stay just, horned. Yeah. Stay, Stay horned, horned, everybody. It's party time, Mom. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna tag us, listen. If you're gonna share our show on on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, use the use the hashtags Party Time Mom and Stay Horned. Stay Horned. Those are the ones we need. And you can always throw in Studio Twenty Two to keep it classy. But Stay Horned, everybody. We love y'all. God bless. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.